Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I discuss how surfing and yoga have helped me gain some incredible horsemanship insights. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Today, I'd like to talk to you about an interesting insight I had about horsemanship that came from a really unexpected source. And it was a few years ago, I was watching a documentary about big wave surfing. It was called Take Every Wave, and it was about the famous surfer Laird Hamilton. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Laird Hamilton, he is probably one of the biggest names in surfing. He started kind of way back in the day. I think he's in his mid-50s now doing traditional surfing, becoming a world-renowned competitor. And then slowly over time, he really kind of pushed the envelope in his field to the point now where he has become an expert in big wave surfing, which is where you essentially take equipment to haul you out to these massive waves and you set everything up perfectly so that you can surf waves that might be as high as seven, eight, nine, even 10 story high buildings. So it takes an extremely specialized um, d- degree of skill level and of course, equipment mastery. And most of all, it takes a tremendous mindset, which I think Laird Hamilton has developed over the years to probably an unprecedented degree. So I was watching this documentary, which is way outside my normal world. I've never been surfing. Uh, swimming in the ocean makes me nervous. You know, I'd rather I'd rather ride a wild-eyed colt any day than be out in the ocean doing anything with a big wave or even a small wave. Very small wave is enough to scare me. But I was watching it because he's such an incredible athlete. And it was just a fascinating story of how one person can sort of push themselves to such a high degree of excellence in an endeavor that seems essentially impossible over time. So I was watching this and at one point they were focusing on an accident that had happened and he had gotten in a situation where the waves were crashing pretty hard around him and it was a massive wave and I believe he was with someone who had hauled him in with this type of equipment and that person was in trouble as well. I believe the equipment had capsized and he ended up having to try to help his buddy out. And one of the things that Laird Hamilton commented on was he said, when things start to go wrong, as they will sometimes when you're in that kind of huge natural environment, you know, like a wave, he said, the most important thing to do first is when it's all falling apart is to surrender was how he put it. And what he meant by that was not to give up and just start panicking or despairing of your fate. What he meant was, as he explained it further, is that you relax for a minute and just absorb what is happening. Don't try to fight or claw your way out of it. Just take a moment. And because you can't do anything anyway in those first, first part of that kind of phenomenon, if you're being held down by the waves, you can't fight it. But if you relax and kind of regain control of your mind and of your senses, you will in a moment perhaps see a way that you can adapt and adjust and and find a way to sort of work within the water to get yourself to a safer situation. And that always stayed with me, first of all, because he was describing a very extreme incident, which most people would have probably not survived. And certainly the majority, vast majority of people would have just panicked immediately and drowned on the spot type thing. And he was talking about this like it was just sort of an interesting mental exercise. So I found that pretty fascinating and I kind of filed it away. And then this year I was doing more work with kind of 
I guess you would say yoga and flexibility exercises. Just one of the things that kind of developed. It's not normally my thing. I kind of hate yoga because you get into these positions that look deceptively simple and then you start to sweat and you start to kind of quiver, but you're not really doing anything. It's not like you're running 10 miles for that effort or whatever. You're just kind of standing there quivering in leotards. So it's not my favorite sport, but it has actually been very beneficial to my riding. And one of the things that I noticed when I started doing yoga more regularly is I tend to like a lot of athletes, particularly I was a former runner, a track athlete. We tend to want to work harder when we want to get a bigger result. So I want to get fit. So I'm going to put in twice as much effort. I'm going to be super tight and revved up and ready to go and so I can push, so I can push the envelope. But with yoga, that really doesn't get you very far. And what I learned through yoga more than anything was that in order to stretch yourself, like to get to the next level in a pose or to do something that's more difficult for you, you first have to relax. And by that, I don't just mean relax mentally. You have to relax physically in order to stretch your joints. You can't stretch tight joints that are braced for any sort of, you know, defensive move or, you know, braced to kind of jump into, you know, a boxing ring or whatever. You have to start with your muscles kind of relaxed and fluid, and then you can stretch them not only literally, like stretch out your hamstrings, but you can then also stretch the result, the performance. It helps you have enough space to sort of remove the resistance, the wrong kind of resistance that certain tight muscles can give you. This is also true for weightlifting. I have some family members who are bodybuilders. I am not a bodybuilder, but I admire my family members who are. And they've tried to coach me sometimes through basic weight work. And one of the things they've told me multiple times is that, let's say if you're doing bicep curls and you want to really increase your weight, it's very important not to overuse your forearms and wrist. You really want to focus on the bicep, which means you have to have those other muscles to some degree neutral, not trying to tighten up with exertion and all of that. That interferes with the bicep's ability to actually do the work. So it's very interesting that sometimes you have to relax a muscle in order to work the other muscle properly to higher performance. I was thinking about an incident I had, or it was actually a ride I had on one of my favorite horses. Santo is the name of the horse a few years ago. And while I was sort of remembering this ride, it occurred to me that it had actually been the perfect example of both the Laird Hamilton big wave surfing and the whole yoga approach to sort of mind control and also body control in an unusually uh, pressured athletic moment. So Santo, those of you who know me from previous podcasts and have listened to me for a while, know that Santo is one of my favorite horses. He's a quarter horse X race horse, very emotional, lots of feelings that he always wants to share with you at any time. Super sweet horse, but tends to be a little bit on the excitable side. And he's taught me a lot about many things. And I just, I just love him. He's just a great horse all around. Well, one day he and I were riding a few years ago, kind of down in a field at the end of this property where I keep him. And it had like a big kind of open field with some jumps in it. And the way the property is set up, that particular riding area was at the foot of the driveway. 
the driveway is probably well over a quarter mile long and it is flanked on either side by lots of paddocks for the horses and trees. And then there's like curves in the driveway. So you can't, from where I was riding, look up and see the whole length of the driveway. You can just see the first curves or two. And pretty much everywhere you look, as you glance up the driveway, you see pens and paddocks with horses and lots of trees. So it's really a pleasant place to keep your horse and to ride. So Santa and I were riding down in this bigger field area, kind of enjoying ourselves. And Santa was dancing a little bit, but just mostly in an expressive way. He was in a happy mood, and so was I. And we were just working, I think, on some basic basic maneuvers. Maybe we were doing some, some circles and maybe some figure eights and just sort of loosening up, getting ready to do a bigger ride. And it was a pleasant day. It was the summer. It was not a particularly overly hot day. It certainly wasn't a cold day in, in, in the summer in Texas. But it was a day that just seemed pleasant. I think it was in the morning. Just just a great day. So I'm out there and we're riding and there's certainly, there's not a storm coming in. There isn't anything unusual about the weather. And I noticed as we're kind of riding around the field that I can hear some of the horses in the paddocks kind of up and around the corner that I can't quite see. I can hear them kind of trotting around in their paddocks. And I'm like, oh, somebody's playing or maybe there's a new horse up there. They're having some fun, but it didn't seem particularly exciting or anything that made me particularly give pause and think about it. So we're kind of riding along. And then there was the classic moment, the quote, all of a sudden moment where Santo essentially started to break in two. He just started leaping. He started doing all these fantastic like Spanish riding school maneuvers, the kind that you never want to do that involve like most of the horse's feet being off the ground. He was sort of leaping up and kicking out and spinning wildly when he would hit the ground. And I was just unsure what was going on. And in that moment, I found myself just kind of looking for his back with my seat and just kind of staying with that and looking around me a bit. Like I didn't have time to even look extensively because I had to really concentrate on staying in the middle of him. But I was like, what happened? Like something is happening. This is not like Santo to suddenly have an eruption of any kind. Usually he gives me plenty of warning if he's feeling distressed in some way. And certainly it's my responsibility to be looking for any any kind of distress on his part before it really, really happens. And so the first thought was, is there a rattlesnake? Is there something like that? Did he notice something that has really frightened him? Has he gotten stung? Is there something that is uh, making him feel pain in his saddle? Did something, is there a burr under his saddle? What's going on? So first I just kind of went with his movement in order to stay in the middle of his back, which was an important goal I felt at that time. And I also noticed as this was going on that Santo was, he was definitely not trying to get me off. It wasn't that kind of a thing. If anything, he was doing his best to keep his back under my seat. He really wanted me to stay with him while he did these convoluted and quite spectacular dance moves. Um, when I dance with Santo, I prefer that most of his feet actually be on the ground. So we, it was a little bit of an exciting moment for me too, but I could tell in other words that he did not, he was not in the kind of mode where he was trying to remove me as a rider. And I didn't, it didn't feel like pain also because of that. Typically if a horse is in sudden pain, they will do their best to get you off just because the weight is making them so uncomfortable. Again, if you have a burr on your saddle or something, you, you had the misfortune of maybe having a hornet in the saddle, something like that. They can't even think about that you're in the saddle in that moment. But I could tell he was aware that I was in the saddle and he wanted me to stay there. And so, so I ruled out pain in that moment. And again, I'm just kind of sitting up there 
trying to sort of help him get control of his feet a little bit and um, looking around. And I'm noticing now that more horses are galloping around in the paddocks, the ones that are closer to us in the driveway. And I'm like, okay, so something's going on. I don't know what, but something's going on. And I finally get Santo to the point where he can have three out of the four feet on the ground, which I thought was a massive improvement. And slowly we got to the point where we could actually get all four feet on the ground. And he was very distressed emotionally, obviously. And I started doing some short serpentines, you know, and kind of trying to just convey to him this calmness that whatever was going on, we were going to figure it out together. But first I really needed him to kind of be with me with his feet as much as he could be. I really needed him to do that for me. So we short serpentined and I ended up as a result of that, kind of moving him further down the pasture area, the riding area that we were in a little further away from the driveway. And he slowly, slowly started to relax a little bit. He was still kind of worried, but he was really trying to be with me. He was really trying to make some changes. And I was rewarding those little tries to the best of my capability within safety and letting him know that, you know, he, he wasn't in trouble, but we just, we kind of needed to get together here because of, otherwise we both could get in trouble. And as we got a little further away, sort of the view changed. I basically got a little bit in a different part of the riding area and I could see through the trees. And I saw a woman leading two, what appeared to be two horses. One was a tall horse and one I thought, is that a pony? Because it seemed very short. And then I realized as I, again, could peek through these trees at the end of the riding area, that it was a miniature horse. Now, Santo is a pretty big horse. He's about 16'2", and he's super, you know, well-built, kind of stout. He's probably 1,100, 1,200 pounds easily. So he's a big guy, but he is absolutely terrified of miniature donkeys and miniature horses. I don't know what happened in his childhood, you know, if there was some kind of gang of uh, miniature bullies or something, but he seriously, he thinks he's going to die. And I was like, oh, he must have like sensed this was coming or he could maybe see things that I couldn't see. And that's also why the other horses are reacting in the paddocks. So Santo couldn't quite see where the miniature horse was at that point because he was really concentrating on his short serpentines with me, which I appreciated. So I got him down to this part of the pasture again where he was definitely getting calmer. He was with me. I knew I knew that that miniature horse was on her way, though, that she was going to eventually get to our end of the driveway. So when we came to a moment where he stood and just could relax and lick and chew, I gave him a big pet and I dismounted him and I loosened up his girth. And I was like, we're going to go take a walk. So we walked up the driveway and... Santo got really anxious. By this time, the miniature horse and her handler and her other horse friend had turned and were retreating up the driveway back to the main barn area. So Santo could just barely see maybe the, the just around the corners almost, he would see the, the back end of both the miniature horse and the other horse that was with her being led up. And that was enough just to be very exciting too. So we did some different serpentines, even walking across the driveway. And finally we come up to the barn area and the miniature horse is, whose name was Dee Dee, by the way, a very gentle little paint uh, miniature horse. She was tied up at the hitching post and Santo was like, oh my gosh, this I'm going to die. Like, this is a crazy alien. And I'm like, you're not going to die. I'm here with you. I unsaddled him and put the rope halter on. And I asked the owner of the miniature horse if she would mind leading the miniature horse around the arena and let Santo and I follow from a safe distance. And she was like, sure, absolutely. So she takes the uh, the very terrifying Dee Dee <laughs> into the uh, main arena. And Santo's kind of, at this point, 
he's pretty sure he's not going to die, but he's on high alert. So there's a lot of <laughs> sounds and he's very like wants to make sure that, you know, he's never, he's not going to turn his back on this wild thing. And so we did the thing where basically we followed trouble where we followed the little miniature mare and her handler all around the arena while she led, led the little mare around. And she did little zigzags and we would follow and slowly, steadily, we got closer and closer. And finally, Santo was standing within about a horse length away from her, still not thrilled, like maybe seeing her more as one of those maybe veterinarians you don't like so much when they come at you with needles, but not as terrified, mostly just a little bit maybe uncomfortable. And, uh, and eventually he yawned and it was all good. And I led him back and unsat and completely unsaddled him and put him back up in his paddock. And, and it was a great day. Now, where I want to go with all of this is getting back to this idea of kind of relaxing in order to stretch and also kind of surrendering to difficulty. So in the past, I've been one of those riders who would maybe worry about what if something goes wrong? You know, sometimes I ride horses that are a little nervous or a little green and I would feel like, hey, I need to be ready. Like I kind of need to be, you know, on alert and underneath it all, of course, I was a little tense. I was maybe a little nervous and I didn't want to admit that. I would just want to say, well, I just need to be alert. I need to have my game face and sort of my game posture on in case this horse does something, I need to be ready to kind of counteract that. And over the years, as I've maybe learned more about horsemanship and worked on my riding more specifically, as well as my mindset, I think I came to realize that when you anticipate too much, you end up creating that sort of tenseness, that tension in your body that the horse picks up on. And ironically, of course, more things are likely to happen. Um, the horse is more likely to spook, or you might be more likely to, in your weird way, spook, kind of go, <gasps> when you see something that might be a problem that your horse might not have even noticed as a problem, but he felt you go <gasps> like that, or kind of, you know, tighten up and, and stop your breathing for a moment. But I had gradually worked on that. And again, some of this comes back to working on horsemanship and some of it comes back to working on mindset and also maybe even body control. And by the time that ride rolled around with Santo, I had made a lot of progress in those areas, but I didn't realize how much until Santo started to leap around that day. And the first thing that I actually did when that happened was I, in a sense, relaxed and kind of surrendered to the movement of his back kind of putting as the first priority to stay with him. And to stay with him in this particular case meant that, of course, I had to be relatively sticky, so to speak. But I, it was important not to tighten up, not to uh, kind of grip too hard with my arms and my legs and, and my seat in general, to be able to, to go with him, to kind of roll with him, to, in a sense, surf this giant chestnut wave that was intent on lots of dancing. The second thing that it allowed me to do is I stayed calm and I didn't immediately seek to take, you know, drastic action. I wanted to understand if I could, if I had time, what was going on because it was unusual for Santo to behave this way. And so I wanted to check very quickly to the best of my ability. Did we need to just get out of there? Was there a snake? Was there some kind of a, of a threat immediately in our vicinity? I didn't realize that the threat was a tiny paint miniature horse, but that was another story. I was looking for something that right in that moment could be about to attack him, so to speak. Or is there something like a fire? Is there something that I have missed? When I realized that those things weren't, 
what was going on, that there wasn't a pain element or an extreme danger element, I then went into a short serpentine mode, which is a great, great exercise to kind of help a horse settle, but also to sort of take their energy and put it into a shape that is more soothing to them. It's not to say that it's necessarily easy or non-athletic. You know, Santa and I were both working pretty hard at those short, short serpentines, but it gave us a good thing to do and to kind of get to the next phase of sort of discovering what was going on. Now, I've never sat on dance moves quite that dramatic, I don't think with any horse. And again, Santo's very athletic and he's a very good mover, which I think really helped me out in that moment. So even when he's upset and doing something unusually extreme, it's very graceful. Uh, so I appreciate that. And again, he did not want me to exit. He was really trying to keep me with him to the best of his ability. But if I had been tight or if I hadn't been in a mode where I could be a little bit calm and kind of go with the motion of his body, go with the motion of his back, I probably would have ended up in a situation where I would have taken a tumble, even though that was totally not his intent. So I thought about all these things as I was kind of watching the surfing documentary. And I realized that when you get right down to it, sometimes the best way to be prepared is to be relaxed, not sloppy, not inattentive, not throwing away your responsibility to be athletic and a good partner, but not to assume that the worst is going to happen. Instead, assume that if something unusual is going to happen, well, you and your horse are going to do your best to work it out together and you're going to have some backup plans in mind. You're maybe going to build into your weekly routine short serpentine so that should something unusual happen or you need to kind of turn to that tool in a time of sort of crisis for your horse, that it's not the first time you've done that. You also learn maybe to trust your instincts, trust your horse and your own body together that you will work together, as I said before, to find a solution to this. And most of all, I think it helps your mindset to have this idea in mind that you will figure it out, that you have the capability to do that, and that you're going to, no matter what, be there for your horse. When your horse senses that, you almost always have a very low chance of something truly unexpected happening for very long. So I hope you've enjoyed my story about surfing and Santo and big giant chestnut waves of equine dancing. If you'd like more information on Laird Hamilton, I would suggest you check out the documentary Take Every Wave. And if you'd like more information on how to be coached by me, whether you're a surfer or an equestrian, please shoot me an email at horsewisecoach at iCloud.com. As always, I thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.